Hi, good afternoon. Uh, good, good to see everybody here online. Uh, hopefully you've had a, a good week. Um, I'm just kind of waiting for the spring to, to return. So what we've been doing in the past couple of weeks is uh, we've been looking at a few of the ministries that, um, that we had been doing. And um, as we prepare for a reopening and looking forward to it, not sure exactly when, but uh, eventually uh, we do want to continue to prepare for uh, the ministries that do that. And so we're, reboot, we're rebooting them and trying to present um, each one so that hopefully whether you served on them before or whether you haven't served on them, where, wherever you might want to serve, uh, we do need your help to reopen and to do it right. And, and so we want to get these things going when the time comes. So as we just heard from the passage I was just read by Danny, um, from Romans chapter 15, verses 1 to 7, you might notice or you might recognize there's a, there's a couple of verses there at the very end that we always repeat or uh, recite in our service, whether it was in person or on Zoom. And it's during the part where we call the greeting or welcoming. Now, this is a sermon that is, I guess, in a way, just trying to pitch the uh, welcoming committee because it is uh, another ministry that we have, another committee that um, has an important role in our church. But I think... Sometimes we, we forget how important this part is and um, why we do need help. But also, I think not just for the committee, but for the church as a whole. Sometimes we think that in order for the church to grow, uh, to thrive, or even just to, to rejuvenate, we, we need to introduce something, something different, right? Something, something spectacular, um, maybe something that a few gifted people, a few creative people could kind of put together in order to sort of inject new life into the church. But you'd be surprised because a lot of times it's simply, uh, it can simply be something small. It could, it could simply be something that we need to be faithful, not, not faithful, not just to the big things that we do in the church, but to the basic things. Uh, sometimes it's in the littlest things. Uh, it's in the simplest things that can build and make a difference um, in a church. And um, today, as we look through the eyes of Paul, what we see is that one of the simplest things that all of us can do and learn to do that encourages and blesses the church is to be welcoming, is to be welcoming. And the book of Romans here, as you look at this passage, the book of Romans, it's really, it's all about the church. It's written to a church in Rome, it's, it's written to a church with people uh, who weren't just Jewish, um, but non-Jewish, uh, a church with people who, uh, some who had been religious for a very long time, and, and there were people who were very new to, to the religion. Uh, it was a church filled with diversity, uh, not just ethnically, but culturally, personality-wise, sensibilities, um, even lifestyles. And so as you might imagine, there were issues in this church because of these differences. There were disagreements, conflicts, there were judgments, there were opinions about, you know, what's right or what's wrong or what's better and, and, and what's not, what's good and, and, and what's bad. And so the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter had some concern for this church because after all, he's all about the church. He was a good church man and he cared about this particular church. And particularly, he cared about this church's unity, it, it's, its community. It's, it's fellowship. And one of the things he tells this church in the midst of its many differences, in order to grow this church, in order to 
persevere this church in its fellowship, deepen its community, secure its unity. He tells us in verse one and two, he says, this is what we should do. That we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. That's what he says, isn't it? This is the big picture here, the big idea here. Um, you, you want to grow the church? You want to persevere in the church? You want the church to flourish, to thrive? Then people need to bear with others' failings, their shortcomings, their differences, uh, even the sins of others. And not just to please ourselves or to look for what we want. So what's the focus here, Paul says? Well, in verse 2, it's, it's not ourselves, but rather to please our neighbor for his good, to build him or her up. This is the sort of the, the big idea here, I think, behind the apostle, behind the apostle Paul. And you got to ask, well, well, how do I do this? Um, how do I begin to do that? And I think what Paul gives the church and us among the myriad of ways that the church could do this he gives us one simple, practical way that we can build up others, encourage others in our church. And that's in verse 7. He says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let me ask you a question today. Do you care for the church? I know it's been a long time since we actually met in person, and uh, sometimes it would, because we feel disconnected, we might kind of feel we're disconnected from the church. But, but still, do you care for the church? Do you care for its unity? Do you, do, do you care for its community, its fellowship? And in response to that, the question is, well, then do you bear with the failings and the shortcomings of others in your community? Do you seek to build and encourage others up? And what Paul is saying is this, that we all can start here, verse 7. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. You remember back in the day, uh, you know, a long time ago when, when we used to worship in person, right? At the beginning, we would read this passage just like we did today, and it would be a time of greeting, right? It would be time of welcoming. And we didn't just put that in there because we needed to kill some time, right? It's not there just for a little break in the worship uh, after praise and whatever is next. We're not just kind of stretching the time out there just to, to fill in the gaps. That time, the welcoming time, the greeting time, it's a time to welcome. Now, I know that we're doing this and during the pandemic over Zoom and we try to see if we could put cameras on and it's not the same, is it, right? But nevertheless, in our passage, what we see here from the Paul is that welcoming is so important. It's so important. It's not just to fill in the gaps. It's not just for members, but it's also for visitors and for anyone who comes into the doors of our church. All right? Think about it. If you're a visitor, think about it. Put yourself in, in the shoes of a visitor. And I know for many of us, it's been a while. Um, but try. What's the first impression you would get? Uh, of the church when you visited? Where, where would that come from? I mean, if you haven't heard a sermon yet, if you don't have any friends that you know there, if you knew nothing about the church, where would your first impression of the church come from? And chances are, it's not going to be me, right? I'm probably going to be somewhere in the back there getting ready for the service. Chances are, it's going to be one of you. It's going to be one of you. Now, I know we have a welcoming committee, 
or we did have a welcoming committee. And, you know, as mundane or as routine as this committee might be, or as any committee could be, it's an important ministry because we need delegated people to be proactive, intentional in welcoming. And welcoming not just members, which is an important thing, but also non-members and visitors and anyone that comes through our doors to welcome them, to make them feel at home, to inform and guide them where necessary, to begin connecting them to the church. And so I'm going to ask you, uh, wherever you are, would you consider serving in this committee? Can you serve in the welcoming committee? Now, I know as I ask this, there are some of you out there thinking, well, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not necessarily good at greeting people. Um, I have a hard time saying hello to fellow members, much less strangers, people I don't really know. So I think I'll pass, right? But here's what I want you to know from this passage. This sermon isn't just for the welcoming committee, because welcoming isn't just for a select few. It's for all of us. Here's how I want us to think about it. It's the difference between giftedness and responsibility. Giftedness and responsibility. And what that means is that just because you're not in the welcoming committee doesn't mean you don't have to be welcoming. And just like many of our ministries, just because you're not in the mercy committee doesn't mean you, you don't have to be merciful. Just because you're not in the fellowship committee doesn't mean that, that you don't have to fellowship right? You may not be gifted in one of these things, but you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. Now, I know that in, even in our church, some of us, at least a few of us, we are naturally gifted at greeting people and welcoming others, even complete strangers. There are a few of us here who are naturals at this. You know, maybe you've got that friendly face. You're always smiling. You have an outgoing personality. You're interested in meeting new people. And, and, and maybe you're gifted, you know, sort of, I, I think like, like my wife, right? She has that kind of personality and she likes to do this. But if you're introverted like me, you know, if you kind of have this blank face all the time and you look sort of aloof, that might not be your gift. Now, the thing is, you know, if you really got to know me, you realize that I'm actually more likable than my wife. But a visitor doesn't know that, does he? Uh, when I try smiling, it looks more like a smirk, right? And, and I was, maybe I was born like that. And, and some of us, maybe that's how you are as well. Some of you are born with an RBF. Do you know what an RBF is? If you don't know, look it up. But it's interesting, you know, when we used to meet in person and I would watch the congregation during our greeting time, and, 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 and some of us, we look frozen, right? Uh, some of us have this constipated look on our face during welcoming time. It's like, we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. And, and uh, you know, it's easy. It, it would be easy just to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm shy and, and I'm an introvert. And so this is just not my thing. And so, so I just don't do it. But Paul here is in our passage, and he's not talking here to a select few in the church. He's not talking to the gifted. He's talking about responsibility, and he's talking to everyone. And so we just can't shirk this responsibility. You might not be gifted and welcoming, but there's a responsibility that all of us have in the church. You know, it's interesting. I, I've met people in the church who don't seem so welcoming and, and friendly in church, but, but when I visit their homes, they're very welcoming. 
And usually, of course, it's different because when you're at home, it's your home. You're the owner, and so you're the host. And so it's fitting in your own home. Uh, it's right, and it's good manners, even in your own home, that when you have guests, you're hospitable, and you say, welcome in. It's proper etiquette. It's good manners. And it would be a little weird, wouldn't it, to act like a guest in your own home? But let me ask you a question, even though it's a little different. Isn't this your church? Do you have a responsibility? Do you have an ownership of your church? Because it's not just my church or someone else's church. Uh, it's your church. It's God's church, but it's your church. It's our church. And so it's fitting, just proper etiquette, good manners to be a good host, to be hospitable, to welcome the guests and, and the visitors who come to our church. And it would be weird, just like it is to act like a visitor or a guest in your own home, to always act like a visitor or a guest in your own church. And yet, I think that's what some of us still do. You've been around long enough in the church, many of you, to be a good host. At the very least, to say hello, to introduce yourself, to welcome someone into the church. Even I could do it. It takes effort, but it's a responsibility. And so welcoming is so important to the community of the church. And it can be simple as that, just to greet people. But what we see here in our passage is that it's not just that. It's actually deeper. And the point that Paul wants to make is this, that as important as welcoming is, if you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you understand your faith in him and what he's done, it ought to deepen, deepen even the way we welcome. Look at verse 7 very carefully. He says this, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Paul commands the church to welcome, but how? Not just any way you want. How? Welcome one another as Jesus Christ has welcomed you. And I want you to think about this as we think about how Jesus has welcomed us. Did you know that in the Bible, Jesus has welcomed you? That he is probably the greatest welcoming committee leader that ever lived. And if you think about how to connect this, the question we've got to ask is this. What ways has Christ welcomed us? What ways has Christ welcomed us? And how does that enable us to welcome one another? And I, I'll give you four things. I can think of at least four things, four ways based on how Jesus has welcomed you. All right, really quickly. First, Jesus has welcomed you into the family of God. Therefore, welcome one another boldly. Colossians chapter 2 and even in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, you read verses like this that say that we were dead in our trespasses and God made us alive with him and he's forgiven all of our trespasses or our sins, right? And what that says is this, that every Christian, right, was once a non-Christian, that we are dead in our sins, the Bible says. And then God, rich in mercy, lavish in grace, he made us alive together with Christ, and he invited us into fellowship with him forever. He's invited us, welcomed us into that relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the, 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 Paul says we've been adopted into the family of God. 
right? Think about that. That's how God has welcomed us. Well, what does that mean for then our ability to welcome one another? You know, we're a small group, uh, but as small as we are, uh, we're very different in terms of personality types. Some of us are very colorful, very opinionated, different approaches to things and to life from different places, maybe even certain different values. And we can be very different as small as we are. But if Christ has welcomed all of us into this family, right, brought us into his home, right, it means that we are actually more unified with others in our church than we are different from them because we are all members of God's family. He's welcomed us into his family, Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, we can welcome others boldly boldly you know i i know we're a presbyterian church but you know my background actually i grew up more in a, in a pentecostal church and um and a lot of churches still do this uh particularly in, the, in their cities and oftentimes during church um there will be a greeting time and one of the things that i noticed that i kind of thought was normal but realized not every church does this is that everyone referred to everyone as brother or sister so if I said something or hello to you, I would say, hey, brother, so-and-so, hey, sister, so-and-so, you know, and, and that language was there, even though you had no idea who this person is, because they're in the church, immediately your first name is brother or sister, brother, so-and-so, brother, sister, sister, so-and-so, and, 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 and there was this sort of understanding that we have been brought into the family of God, and therefore we can greet each other boldly. I remember in a previous church, I, I, we hosted a huge conference and we invited local churches to, to participate. And, and there was this one Hispanic church that, that decided to come and all their members started coming into the church and I was one of the greeters and I would say hello. And I was amazed by their openness and their friendliness uh, because they, all of them, every single one of their members of the church came out to me and called me Brother Francis and would hug me and kiss me. And I had just met them. Now, I admit, you know, I'm not touchy-feely. And I was like, oh, you know, but, but still, you know, there was a warmth to their welcoming. And I think at the forefront of their minds was the realization that we are in the family of God. We've been welcomed by Christ into the family of God. So welcome boldly. Welcome boldly, right? It means that the world and its distinctions that once divided us no longer do because the gospel of Jesus Christ is our shared foundation. And so we form relationships with people that we might never have invested in previously because we are now brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you nervous about saying hello to that new person in the church or in your small group or wherever you are? Are you hesitant to talk to that person sitting next to you at church? Well, you know, sometimes I am too. But Paul's saying we don't need to be because if they've trusted in Christ, then they're our family and we welcome them boldly okay that's the first thing the second thing here i see this welcome one another as christ has welcomed you well how not just as family uh but we can now welcome just not as boldly but jesus christ has welcomed us with mercy and grace so now we welcome not just boldly but now we welcome unconditionally it makes a difference unconditionally when Jesus saved us, Jesus didn't give us what our sins deserved, according to Romans 8, which was just condemnation and judgment. But more than that, Jesus gave us far more abundantly than we ever deserved. He welcomed us with mercy to be spared from what our sins deserved, and he welcomed us with grace. 
and we got what we really didn't deserve. And so his mercy and grace are for us, that even when we sin, he's still faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us according to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. So what does that mean for our ability to welcome others? It means this, that the ground is level at the cross. That if Jesus has welcomed us with mercy and grace, that means all of us have deserved worse. And all of us in Jesus have gained infinitely more through Christ's mercy and grace, so that none of us can boast, Ephesians chapter 2. None of us have any ground for acting high or mighty, no matter how right we think we are. We are commanded to be merciful and full of grace, even towards others, even towards sinners, which is all of us. We are commanded to make things like love and forgiveness and unity a priority. And so we welcome others unconditionally, okay? Paul says, welcome one another, how? Just as Christ has welcomed you, right? And he's welcomed us, uh, and therefore we welcome others boldly. We welcome others unconditionally. And here's the third thing. When Jesus welcomed us, he welcomed us with an eternal inheritance. You know, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, blessed to be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You know what he says? He says that in Jesus, when we are welcomed and invited to his family, we have everything that God has. Every spiritual blessing that he has, including his spirit. And the fruit of the spirit we have is things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of that, he says, we now have. We are rich in the eyes of God. That all that God has is now ours through Christ. Now, what does that mean for our ability to others? Well, because we have all that we need in Jesus Christ, now we are free and open-handed to be generous with our time, our effort, our gifts, our resources, even our finances. It means that if Jesus welcomed us into his inheritance, given us everything that we have, it means that we realize that there's more to this world, that our home is not here, but there's something else out there, that, that we can now gladly open up our earthly homes in hospitality, trusting that God will use that welcoming to grow Christians and invite new ones. Even when we feel depleted or weak or ill-equipped, we can trust in the spirit that he will bear his fruit in us for the work that God gives us to do. And so we can welcome others generously, right? right? Welcome one another, as Paul says, as Christ has welcomed you. And that means we welcome him boldly. We can welcome others unconditionally. And that means also we can welcome others generously. Now, here's the fourth thing that I see here, and that is this. Not only because of the way Jesus has welcomed us, uh, is it gives us a certain way we can welcome others, boldly, unconditionally, and generously, but we also welcome others with hope. Hope. Now, that, here's what I mean. I don't mean when you go to a person and you say hello, that you're hoping that this person says hi back, right? Or that, you know, you're hoping you don't get rejected or something like that. That's not what, he's, that's not what we're talking about. Listen to Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5. Here are some of the things that he says. He says this, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of the Son, Jesus Christ. Right? Verse Romans 5, 6. While we were still weak, Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5, 8. God shows his love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ 
died for us. You hear what Paul's saying here? Paul does not say, well, Jesus died for you after you became a friend. He says, why are you still an enemy? He doesn't say Jesus would give his life for you after you start acting more godly. No, it says he died for the ungodly. And he doesn't say, well, God died for you after you cleaned up your life and became a saint. No, no. It says Jesus died while you were still a sinner. In other words, while you were still an enemy, while you were ungodly, while you were sinners, he's talking about basically us and even those of us who are not clear about Christianity, that at some point, that's all of us, Christ welcomed us and he gave his life for us. We just we welcome. We don't welcome just boldly. We don't welcome just unconditionally. Uh, we don't welcome just generously, but we welcome others with hope. We welcome evangelistically. We welcome others with the hope of the gospel. We welcome sinners. We welcome the ungodly. We welcome even the enemies of God in hope, in hope that they too would see. It's the same thing we see in the other Gospels. In John chapter 1, Jesus uh, welcomes people to follow him, invites them. And what does he say? Come and see. Come and see what I'm all about. In John chapter 1, verse 46, the disciples are talking, and Philip invites Nathaniel and welcomes him. You know, when Nathaniel's like, what good can come out of Nazareth? What does Philip say? Come and see. In John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman, remember the Samaritan woman at the well? After she met Jesus Christ, she goes back to the town and she invites them, come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. They are all, in a sense, welcoming them to invite them to meet this person, Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you, as he has invited you to partake, to, uh, to participate in the blessings of the gospel through faith and repentance. So there you go. Verse 7, Paul says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. How do we do that? What does that mean for us? It means this. Because the way Christ has welcomed you, now you welcome others boldly, unconditionally, generously, and even with hope, evangelistically. Why? Why should we do this? Well, because that's what Jesus did for us. Because that's what Christians are supposed to do. Because that's what the church needs to do. But here's the one reason Paul gives us. In verse 7, at the very end, he says this. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Why? For the glory of God. For the glory of God. Through Christ, God has called every Christian to welcome others. Whether through the doors of the church or in the pews or in your neighborhoods or at your homes, doing life together during through the week. God has called us to do it for the glory of God. And when we fail to welcome as Christ welcomed us, we not only fail the community and unity and the fellowship of our church, but we fail to show the reality of Jesus' welcome in our lives. But when we welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us, we become a blessing to the church. We become a blessing to our neighbor. We can show Jesus Christ to the world. And in doing so, we bring glory to God. We bring glory to God. And so Paul encourages this church for the church's sake. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Boldly, unconditionally, generously, and with the hope for the glory of God. And it becomes a more deeper, more genuine, more fervent welcome.
okay? Now, I want you to think about that, okay? Because I want us to be ready to be able to do this, not only on Zoom, but in, when we meet with others, whether individually or as a church one day soon. How do we do this? When someone comes into our group and we just don't know them, how do you do that with someone in your group that you've seen, but you really feel like you just don't know? How do we do this with someone that we've just met? Christ has welcomed us. Now we're called to welcome them in Christ. Here's one thing I want you to think about. When we welcome others as Christ has welcomed us, the way we need to think about it is this. When you welcome others, you think about it as you're welcoming Jesus Christ. See, here's the irony. Christ has welcomed you boldly, unconditionally, generously, with hope, and for his glory. And now when you welcome others that same way, you are also welcoming Jesus Christ. Here's what I mean. And in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, this is what he says. Um, Jesus says, for when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. And the disciples responded, when did we see you a stranger? When did we welcome you or naked and see you naked and clothe you? And this is what Jesus says. Matthew 25, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. As you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus is saying that when you welcome, especially when you welcome a stranger, the way Christ has welcomed you, you welcome me. That's what Jesus says. Because when you do it to the least of my brothers or sisters, you did it to me. That's the perspective we need to have in when we greet others, no matter who they are. Don't wait for a committee to welcome a visitor to your church. Don't wait for the committee to say hello to fellow brothers and sisters in your church. Don't expect the pastor to do all the welcoming with people that come visit your church. You and I, we are all called to welcome, Jesus, welcome others as Christ has welcomed us. We are to welcome others boldly as a family of God, unconditionally because of grace and mercy, generously because we've been given everything in Christ, and with hope because we've been given hope through the gospel of Jesus Christ, all for the glory of God. When you and I welcome others, even a complete stranger, the least of his brothers, we also welcome Jesus Christ. So let me end the sermon by asking ourselves a question. How are we doing? How are we doing? How have we been doing even at welcoming? How welcoming are you? And I'm not asking you to think how you think the welcoming committee is doing. But I'm asking each and every one of you, especially the members of the church, how are you at welcoming? And I encourage you to think about what Paul says in verse 7, that you and I are commanded to welcome others as Christ has welcomed us. And so as we move forward in the church and as we look forward to ministering together, we pray that as we reformulate the, the welcoming committee, that you might be encouraged to exercise that gift or that responsibility of welcoming others as Christ has welcomed you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. 